Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Boss Barista. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. I'm Jasper Wild. Today, it's just going to be me and Jasper. Um, we've done a lot of really great interviews with so many wonderful people that we're we're just so thrilled that people want to be on this podcast, which is amazing. And we've gotten a lot of suggestions from people, which we've taken um, and invited those folks on to the podcast. Um, but today we wanted to reflect a little bit about some of the things that we've learned from other people on the podcast and think critically what we can do as leaders in our industry. you inhabit a place in your cafe where you're a manager or you're a shift lead or maybe you have employees under you thinking really thoughtfully about what our responsibility is as a leader in our industry or maybe you want to be seen as a leader you're not taken seriously now um, or you're not in a position of leadership but you can still do some steps that make you visible as a leader that can impact you positively in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think in this episode, we really wanted to focus on actionable steps that you can take as a leader. Um, and this is something that we've been thinking a lot about on this podcast is all the ideas that we talk about are really great. It's really easy to agree with them. Like, yes, everyone should be equal. Yes, everyone should have higher wages at work. Everyone should have all these really great and wonderful things. And we've heard a lot of really great feedback from people. But what I want to focus on on this episode is taking those feelings of like, yes, these are things I agree with. Yes, these are things that I believe in and taking them into action. What are you actually doing every day to make sure that people are equal in your cafe, that your staff feel supported, that people aren't being marginalized in your space and that you're taking actionable steps when someone does feel like they're being marginalized, just because we believe these things, we say these things about ourselves, doesn't mean that we're actually doing them. Um, one of the biggest uh, takeaways that I had from Bloom, which was an event uh, hosted by the SCA and the BGA a couple weeks ago, um, was that it's really hard to be the person to raise your hand and say, like, I have a problem or something is affecting me. Um, and it's our job as leaders to make spaces safe for people to speak up and also identify when people don't feel safe speaking up and going out to them first. Um, with that being said, I think what Jasper and I, just to preface this episode, would really like to hear from other people is what actionable steps they're taking in their workspaces and within the larger coffee community to really speak up and say, this is right or this is wrong. I feel like we see a lot of the same actors doing work and I'd like to see some faces that maybe we don't see as often doing a little more of the work, speaking up against people who say things on Facebook or calling out different forms of coffee media like other podcasts or other coffee writing. Um, and saying like, hey, that's not right. Or, hey, I have this powerful voice in the coffee community. Maybe I should reach out to these people. Um, yeah. Maybe this is a little thinly veiled, but <laughs> um, but that's okay. This is, our, this is our call out. People who have voices, you can do better. Yeah, I mean, we definitely want 
everyone who is a listener to continue listening. But I think what we're hearing is a lot of people that are listening already know and practice some of the things that we are we that we are suggesting are taken into your life. And the reason we're talking about it is because a lot of people aren't doing these things. So we don't want to be preaching to the choir, to use that phrase. We want to be reaching a wider a wider audience. Um, and maybe you can help us do that, listeners. Maybe when you see something um, that reminds you about what we've talked about here, feel free to just to just push boss barista out there because we de- we definitely don't want this podcast to just be a self-congratulations for the coffee industry like oh look this is what we've this is what we've done with our progressive industry and we don't want people to be taking credit for the the work that we're doing we also want people to be listening and reflecting on what they're doing as like maybe this applies to me And that's something that is really uncomfortable to do and something that I've had to do in my own life as like, you know, what, what positions do I hold or do I practice that are, um, that are sexist? Like, because that could happen. What are things that I do, uh, that, that like show that deep down, maybe I have some homophobia or even if, even though like I am a woman and I am queer, like that could still apply to me. And then a big one is how am I potentially being classist or how am I potentially being racist? And that's definitely something that I feel like I need to check myself every single day. And it's not, it's not something that I can put away or like say, Oh, I've, I've already done this. Right. Just because we're on this podcast Talking about these really big issues and talking about ways that we can do better in our industry doesn't mean that we always do good work. And that's that's something that I think Jasper and I have really reflected on a lot is that there are still parts of our of the way that we interact with the world that are sometimes sexist, that are sometimes classist, that are definitely sometimes racist, sometimes uh, homophobic or transphobic, um, that we need to continue doing work on every day. Simply being on this podcast and saying that these things are wrong doesn't mean that we have it all figured out in, in any way, shape or form. And every day is kind of a constant struggle to remember that and to exercise that muscle that I need to think critically about the world around me. I need to think deeply about how I can support other marginalized groups actively and not passively. It doesn't just come with saying like, I support all people. That's not enough. It requires work. And we're hoping that this episode kind of lays some groundwork into some of the work that you can do as a leader or as a potential leader in our industry. Um, Just to go backwards a little bit too, Um, Some of the episodes that we've done in the past have been really good about pointing out actionable steps that you can take to be a better leader. We're thinking about both the checking your privilege episode. That's the one that Jasper and I kind of unpack our own privilege. It's it's called uh, Don't Think You Don't Have Privilege. Mm -hmm. The Oppression Olympics. That's a really good one about dealing with coffee creeps and uh, being a better leader to some of your staff who maybe feel like their bodies are up for grabs by customers. Um, 
the last episode about dismantling white privilege is another really good one. And then uh, referencing RJ Joseph's episode about using better language for trans and queer inclusion. Um, those are all really good episodes if you want to go backwards and listen to some episodes that give you kind of step-by-step stuff that you can do every day. Because that can be really overwhelming um, to think, okay, I want to do better, but what's the next step? So if you are a leader, if you want to be a leader, let's let's talk about it. If you are it. a human being. <laughs> Basically, if you inhabit any space in whatever work you do, because no matter what, I think I think what's important to think about leadership is that someone's looking up to you. Um, if maybe if you're like the, ne- the, the very newest hire, you might not be, but maybe if like someone else has been hired right after you, they probably look to you as an example. Um, and there are a lot of ways that you can inhabit leadership. I think, and don't, and you know, I think a lot of baristas kind of fall in this trap is like the trajectory of being a barista is you are a barista, then you are a shift lead then you are a manager and that's just all getting promoted and moving up. But there's no real life training about how to be a leader and what that actually means. Um, I will be the first to admit that I have managed cafes for a long time. Uh, I got my first managerial job when I was 24 and only in this last job as a manager was I a good manager. And that's because I thought of what that meant to be a manager. Um, In my other jobs, I was just kind of like, oh, my job is to order things and to be the person who's like responsible if something happens. But like, I didn't think critically about like, okay, I have a staff of people under me. I'm responsible for their well-being. Um, And I think it's really easy, especially in coffee, to be like, oh, it's the baristas who are just not doing their job or they're the ones who don't understand or they're not listening to me or to even put that onus on customers like the customer just doesn't get it or you know I'm sure everyone has something that's really difficult to do in their cafe like open a bathroom door or figure out where the uh like lids are or something like that and we're just like oh customers can't read or customers are just so silly or stupid and it's like no we're the leaders. We set the example. Right. So if something is something is not working in your cafe and everybody trips over it, it can be really easy to be like, wow, we are serving children and we have to like babysit them all the time because that's what it does feel like. But the bigger issue is the straws are hard to find. <laughs> and that's not a customer being children problem or a you not babysitting well enough. That's the straws not being in a good container and that's a leadership problem that's totally fixable. Mm-hmm. I think you and I actually learned a good example on leadership. We were doing, uh, our talk at Bloom had this exercise about privilege and we gave people instructions and they did the exercise and we realized that a lot of people didn't understand the exercise. Um, people were confused about how to tally up their their points at the end. People weren't sure how to answer questions, yes or no. So at the end, we were talking to people and they were like, we, we were kind of confused. We were like, why, why are everyone's results all weird? Why are people really confused? And we realized that we didn't give clear enough instructions. We didn't repeat the instructions. We didn't write down the instructions. Um, and we didn't check for understanding, which is a very teachery term, <laughs> where you're like, okay, 
I said a thing, like, do you understand? And people will nod, they'll say yes, but do they actually understand? You have to actually check for understanding um, by asking like a question like, okay, so where do you start? You start here. Like how many sure points do you have? You have this. <laughs> if you answer this question, yes, what do you do? You add a point. Like you have to check for understanding because that's where you catch when people are like, oh, wait, I thought. And a lot of people will think they understand, but then they actually do the thing and they're like, oh, I, I, I don't understand. Um, and that was a really good leadership lesson for for me, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was I was upset that the results were skewed and didn't make the point that I wanted to make. And it was so tempting to be like, oh, my God, no one listens. But it wasn't their fault with listening. It was our fault with not telling them the way that they could could hear it. So one of the reasons I really wanted to bring up leadership is because of my last position. Um, so just to get just to get a little personal, um, I used to manage a cafe in Oakland and I don't anymore. And I didn't initially want to manage the cafe. When I first got hired there, I was just pulling barista shifts and I was having fun and just making making coffee for, for a little extra money. And then it became really clear that someone needed to manage. There was no manager at the point that I was there at. And I sort of fell into the role. And what I thought about when I first took this role on was, I need to do this job actively. I need to not just be the person making the schedule or the person ordering inventory. I need to be a manager who makes things better. So when I sat down and thought about my role as a manager, I made one goal really like paramount to me. And I think that's important for all leaders is to sit down and think, what do I want from this job? What do I want to do? So my biggest goal managing this cafe was to improve retention. It was something we talked about all the time um, because it tied back to everything else. It tied back to money. It tied back to the customer service experiment or experience. It tied back to the experiment. It is an experiment. It is an experiment. <laughs> well, I thought of this role as an experiment too. Like I really was like, what, what can I do? Like, how can I push these limits and can I try something different? Um, because it wasn't a job that I necessarily thought I was going to do forever. So it gave me a little bit of leeway to experiment a little bit more and to push things a little bit harder. Um, so I thought, what is my goal to improve retention? So I had a goal. Like I was, I was at one end of like a field and my goal was at the other end of the field. And I was like, how do I get from point A to point B? And by having this goal of retention as my like far away goal, it helped me shape every other decision that I made. So my biggest thing with improving retention was to make sure that baristas got paid more. At the time that I was at this cafe, nobody had ever been given a raise. Ever. Not once. That's awful. Because it was nobody's job to. Nobody thought about it. And when I talked to the owners about it, they were like, well, people just leave. And I was like, okay, well, that's the problem. Is that we are assuming that it's the barista's fault that retention is bad, but we have control over this, this experience. We have control over whether or not a barista stays. So let's, let's start with that. So the first thing that I implemented was check-ins. So baristas got check-ins at three months, 
six months at a year. And you were eligible for a 50 cent raise at the three month, another one at six months, and then a dollar at a year. And part of this, and this is something where I kind of agree and disagree with people, was starting everyone at the same salary. So everyone started at the same pay rate. Didn't matter what experience level they had. And we were also really open and transparent with everybody's wages. So I told everyone what I made too. I made $20 an hour as the manager. Um, and some of that changed over time. After a while, um, I was able to get a guaranteed 40 hours a week, um, even if I didn't actually clock in or clock out 40 hours. And I also got health insurance. And that was a big push that I had to make as well. Um, but I told all the baristas that too, because I wanted them to know where they stood. Um, I worked in a cafe where we talked about wages and like really like hushed voices. Like, what do you make? <laughs> Will you tell me? I'll tell you. <laughs> um, and that was really toxic. It was incredibly toxic that we didn't know what everyone made. Um, and that's not to say that you have to tell like every barista, like what your, what your wage is. Like if you feel uncomfortable doing that, that's, that's well, fine on you. If you feel uncomfortable doing that, is it because you make a lot more and you don't do as much more work as they're, they're doing? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's something to examine too. Wage transparency is another thing that we can talk about. We it totally talk, is. That's and definitely an episode um, in and of itself. And I actually just wrote an article about it that will be in the next issue of Stand Art. Excellent. So we all have a lot to talk about with that. Um, but that was a big thing um, on my end is that I didn't want people to feel stressed out about what they were making or to feel any stress about what other people were making in relation to them. Because that used to be such a point of contention at every cafe that I've worked at. And I was like, I need to eliminate that stress. Everyone starts at 13. Everyone gets wage reviews at these check marks and everyone should know what the parameters are for those check-ins. So there was a rubric that I used to give people the tools to understand what I was looking for. So one of the big things, uh, this is, this is actually really touching and made me feel really proud, um, is one of my baristas was like really stressed out about her three month check-in. She's like, I don't know what you're going to tell me. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what you're looking for. And I, and I told her, I was like, you will not be surprised by anything I say. And if you're doing something wrong, I've already told you. So I think that's an, also another responsibility of a leader is to give constant feedback. Um, People don't know that they're doing something wrong if you don't tell them they're doing something wrong. And when we assume that people are bad at their jobs, that's like a like a dagger in your in your baristas. Um, people want to do a good job. I don't know how that's not surprising. Um, so hearing feedback and giving constant feedback and being also unafraid to give feedback is really important too. I think a lot of people will see something happening that they don't agree with. And instead of giving like, hey, like maybe try this instead of this. They'll kind of just like shy away from it. And then like suddenly their three month like review is there. And then there's like all of this stuff. Like actually like three weeks ago, you didn't do this. And like a month ago, I noticed you did this. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. Where is this coming from? You're keeping track. Right. You're, <laughs> you're number one, you're keeping track. <laughs> number two, you're not giving the feedback immediately. So it's not as meaningful. Because like if you tell me like, oh, you stacked the cups wrong like two months ago, I'm like, wait, what? Like, I don't even remember doing that. 
because it's so like not meaningful. But if you can correct things immediately, then it's not it's like a non-issue. That's like a flaw in the manager. Like they're probably not good at direct feedback in the moment because they don't want to maybe they're like irritated and they don't want to like lash out like you did the cups wrong. So they're like, I'm just going to make a note of it and talk about it when it's appropriate. And yet it's there are some things that maybe you should talk about in a private space where you can really have a dialogue. But there are other things that can just be like, hey, no big deal. But, uh, you know. When you hand out your drinks, could you make sure there's no spills on them? Thank you. Great job. That's okay. So that's another thing about leaders too. This is a big thing that I learned is that if I see something happening that I didn't agree with, or I thought was not in standard with like the way that we should be serving drinks, I waited 24 hours. And if I still was thinking about it 24 hours later, then I would give the feedback. But if I wasn't thinking about it 24 hours later, then it must not have been that important. And it must have been like a like emotional reaction. So that's another thing, too, is learning when to let go. Because I didn't want to be a micromanager either. That was another thing that I thought about. I was like, I don't need to tell the baristas how to do every single thing, but I need to pick the things that are important to me and make sure that those things are clear to them. So one of the things that was really important to me was that customers don't get like messy cups and like sometimes like you know if you put your americano cup under the portafilter you might see a drip on the side and i'd be like oh just you know cup that again or something like that or if i noticed it i would maybe wait a little bit and then say it later to the baristas um as opposed to like pointing it out now because that's also like kind of right. embarrassing in front of the customers customer. yeah and while you're at work too while you're like having to be on that can be really overwhelming as well. So usually what I would do, and I cannot recommend this more. We've recommended this before on this podcast. I would put it on Slack. We had a Slack for our <gasps> store. Oh, nice. Yeah. So helpful. Number three, communication. Make communication <laughs> as easy as possible. Um, Slack like saved my store. I uh, 100% agreed. Like we would be able to shoot ideas off of each other. If there was something that you were confused or unclear about, you could go back to the Slack and look into like what drink standards we set. Or if somebody was like, oh, we're out of this, they could just go to the Slack and put it there. Um, it just made communication so much more effortless between not just me and the baristas, but between each other because we would work these solo shifts. So a lot of the times the baristas would never see each other at all. Maybe like once a week. So having them able having a platform from them to communicate with each other was really important too. Um, and the reason why communication's so important, just not just for this day-to-day -day stuff, like, Oh, we're out of this, we're out of that. You have an idea in your head about what the store looks like, but that doesn't mean that the baristas know what that is. Um, especially if you're an owner of a business, it is impossible to know what the store looks like in your head if you don't communicate that out loud. And talking to Eileen Rinaldi of Ritual, she also mentioned that that was her biggest job as a leader of, of the cafe. And I thought that that was so poignant because how can I do what you want me to do if you don't tell me what you want me to do? Whenever we have these staff meetings and Eileen gets up there and like gives us her vision and tells us where we're going it that like momentum will carry me through like a couple of weeks so I might get down about 
about whatever it is, like the monotony of being on the floor or, you know, covering too many shifts or, you know, just something that like seems small. If I know where we're going and if I know that there's like a path and a future and like a vision, then I know that that she sees me in it and that I'm like integral and that my coworkers are integral and that we have to all like push forward and do this together. And it just makes me really inspired. And I respond well to that leadership. I think I mentioned this to you right before our bloom talk, but I don't know where this, this is or if I read it or someone else told me that. Um, but there's some sort of research that suggests that people are more likely to be on board with a thing if there is a goal in mind. So even if something is difficult and our response is to not do the thing, if the goal is clear, then we're more likely to overcome that obstacle. Does that make sense? Kind of. So the goal is to keep your single origin espresso dialed in. Let's say. And let's say it's really difficult because it's really busy, for example. But if you set that expectation like, hey, like we source, we're really, okay, so like, let's say I'm Eileen. <laughs> and my goal is I want the single origin coffees to taste awesome. And I want all my baristas to be really dialed in. What I might do is at the next staff meeting, talk about how beautiful our coffees are and how our sourcing is like the pride of our store. And translate that down specifically to the single origin espressos be like, and that's why we've chosen these like really beautiful, excellent coffees to, to showcase this way. And obviously I'm going to be effusive and charming because, because <laughs> Eileen is effusive and charming and make that connection really clear as opposed to just like putting a single origin grinder next to your baristas. And, and like immediately as a barista, what I see is like, Oh, look more work for me. <laughs> but if there's a goal if there's an idea, if there's a reason for that being there, then I'm much more likely to engage with that thing. Single origins all day. Yeah, dial in your single origins because they're so great. They are good. But if you don't know that they're great and your leader hasn't told you that, then fuck it. <laughs> Just kidding, <laughs> but kind of half kidding. Um, well, if you if you can like figure out how to change the minds of the barista from more work to um, like more fun to have <laughs> right or a goal like this is in line with the goals that we have for this business um and i would imagine this probably fa falls in line a lot with ritual where you guys really source beautiful exquisite coffees roast them really well and want to reach more people with those coffees so that makes sense to me in that application um but maybe your goal is something else maybe um as an owner, you come into your cafe and the goal that you have is to have a really excellent customer service experience. So going from there, how do you communicate to the baristas that that's what you want? So in that example, if I were a leader, I would say like, okay, guys and gals and anyone in between, when someone walks into this cafe, you are the first person they see and you have the power to change their entire day. And I would really emphasize the importance of, of being that first point of contact and how I, you know, I hired all of you because you all are shining lights. You all have the power to transform people's days. Really remember that these people are special and I hired them because they're special, 
because they are transformative figures and really build people up. I hear this music playing in the background. Like, I'm not going to be like, if you come in, you're like the customer service experience is shitty in my cafe and you're doing a bad job. Like, I don't want to be nicer to customers. I have no incentive to be nicer to customers. I don't know how owners don't remember that. Like if a customer comes in and doesn't tip, like, why the fuck do I want to be nice to them? Like remembering the hurdles that we have to go through as baristas, like put yourself in the barista's shoes. If I'm a barista and I see three grinders in front of me and I'm like, what the fuck? I have to dial in all of this coffee? Like, what's the point? I didn't eat breakfast. Like I didn't eat breakfast. I don't care. Like go remember that point. Like remember where is the barista in relation to your cafe and where where are you? What do you want? And how do you make what you want what the barista wants as well? Like, yeah. We don't, we so, so often miss that. Let's talk about morale because oh, yeah. this really feeds right into morale. I, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And there's so many stores that just have Ugh. really awful morale and it's just, it's hard on everybody. Nobody wants it, but everyone's a contributor and no one is more a contributor to the leadership. Yeah. So what, what can you do to boost morale? I think number one, which you mentioned, is that you have to remember morale comes from you. So if you're not feeling good at work, the baristas will 100% be able to feel that. And you can, and let's say you aren't feeling good at work. That's okay too. But number one, fake it a little bit, at least a little bit, or at least be honest with your baristas about some of the struggles that you're going through. Because I think, especially towards the end of my time at the last cafe I worked at, I wasn't feeling awesome. I was having a lot of stuff going on in my life. And the best way for me to have translated that to the baristas was to be really open about it and be like, hey, like, I know that I haven't been like as maybe positive or as direct, but like I'm going through some things, but then go backwards. Be like, but you guys have been really supportive of me and I appreciate that. So always trying to remember what your staff does. That's really good. You can compliment anyone on anything. Like there is always something that someone's doing that is good. And finding those things, I think, is the single most important thing you do as a manager, both in a big way, like you are the best here at making sure that you always communicate when we run out of things to the little things like, hey, the way that you handled that customer just that time was really great. And this is something that if you're not in a leadership position, if you want to improve the morale of your your cafe, even as a barista or as someone who's maybe not in any power, that's something that you can do too as well. Complimenting your staff is really positive. Um, I work uh, now mostly at a brewery and we were talking about this, um, me, the manager and another coworker that I have. And I was like, okay, what can I do? Like, I'm not the manager here, but like I have a role in this. And I turned to my other coworker and I was like, I really love working with you and seeing you on the schedule together because you are always so great with customers. Like you are light and easy and fun. And I take a lot of inspiration from you. And then that just started like a compliment loop. And we had such a great shift because of that. I think another thing that managers forget to do is that you kind of have to be the fun one in the room. And that's sometimes hard, but 
trying to find fun moments in the day is is key. So the very first job I had in coffee, I worked at Gregory's Coffee and my manager, Rachel Toprak, who I love and is amazing, um, was really silly. And I think she did like crank it up a notch while she was at work. Um, so we'd play a lot of games. So we used to have like things where like we would hide, we would hide things a lot from each other or we would give each other silly nicknames or we had, um, we had, you could order like single or double shots and that was pretty common. So we would, oh, like if someone ordered a single espresso, we would pull a double shot and then like split the shot and then like get on a knee and like take the shot, <laughs> just like silly things. And then we would all be like just crazy on caffeine. But like we would just, there was just a lot of rituals in the cafe. There were things that you knew you could find like happiness from, or there were games you could play together. And that's a really easy thing to incorporate. Like what's a game you can play at work or what's a, a way that you can make things fun and light or making inside jokes. Like you want, you want your staff to have fun and find fun things to do. I could not wait to go to work when I was working at Gregory's. Like I would be there on days that like I didn't work and it's in Times Square. Like why would I go to Times Square? <laughs> um, but I would still be there on days that I didn't work because I loved the staff so much because we were all so connected to each other. Do you guys have any games that you play at Ritual? Um, We do a lot of informal latte or throwdowns. Mm -hmm. So that's always really fun. Well, sometimes, I mean, we bring up, I bring up the bathroom door a lot because it's difficult to use. But the way we've made it more fun is dramatizing the different ways that customers don't understand how to use the door. They're maybe scared of it or they're really like, um, they look at us like, why would you? why would you have a locked door? Like, like really angrily. Um, sometimes you'll like, you'll give them direction and, and they won't listen. So we do a lot of like, um, it's, it's like another character. So we respond to the door, uh, even when no customer is trying to use it. It's just like, Oh, like it, I don't know. It, it becomes like another topic of conversation that we can all bond over and that we can all, understand so if one person is letting a customer in and they're a particularly difficult customer to let in the bathroom for a number of reasons we just like we just we all make eye contact with each other because we know it's hard and we're like feel you and (laughs) and you did that and let's keep going (laughs) something that we do at the brewery that's become kind of fun is that we make playlists based on themes so like not to not to gender things, but one shift had all all boys. So they made playlists that had the word boy in it. And then the next day it was all women. And so we were like, well, we can make a better playlist. And just like making like fun informal competitions. The last time we all worked together, we made one that was all duets, which was fun. And then we debated duets. We we're like, is forgot about Dre a duet? Or does that just feature Eminem we decided it was du- a duet it's a duet D- Dr. Dre and Eminem that's yeah. a duet <laughs> but but that was like a, that like led to this whole like theme of the day where we're like we're talking and it was just such a fun day and the customers could feel that that we were having fun which meant that they were having fun which meant that they tipped more and it was just like an exciting fun day as opposed to the days where like you're in combat with the customers and you're like, oh, I hate being here. Like that was awesome. 
ever we used to have fancy friday oh tell me about fancy friday we um it was really cute because we were all new to the coffee industry so we fancy friday looking back now like i understand what it was but i didn't really get it back then so we were all becoming freshly immersed in coffee culture and this is like 2011 so um i don't know why but like fedoras and vests were like a thing so fancy fridays (laughs) (laughs) fancy fridays featured a lot of fedoras bow ties vests uh chambray button down shirts wait i don't think anyone's ever worn that stuff in coffee never (laughs) (laughs) but except we were like all 20 or 22 years old uh and like that wasn't our style at all because we were a santa cruz kids so it was just it was so charming and people would like be like what's going on and someone would like a button-down black shirt, a gray vest, a blue bow tie, jean shorts, and tennis shoes would be like, it's Fancy Friday. <laughs> I love that. I love theme days. That's my favorite. Um, but I think all of these topics and all of these suggestions really kind of come back to the idea that as leaders, we're responsible for the well-being of our staff. Again, it's easy to be like, oh, the baristas are lazy or they're not doing their jobs right or the customers are really shitty. And it's going back on us and saying, what can we do to make things better? Because number one, we are responsible for that. But number two, and I think more empowering than that is that we have the power, we have the power to. So like looking around and saying like, oh, stuff is shitty, but like I can do something about it is really strong statement i'm not shitty and i'm here and so i'm gonna turn this shit around (laughs) but like imagine how like how much strength you can derive from that notion that like i am a positive influence and i will make things better and like you might not fix everything that's okay and morale especially is a constant struggle it will go up it will go down um but it requires active participation like all of these things do here's a hint Coffee is a drug that makes you happy. So you can start off by drinking coffee (laughs) and then be like, this is happiness Mm -hmm. in this cup. And if you're not sure what to do, because a lot of these issues of like low morale or turnover or low wages are really big problems. Just think of something small that you can do. Like right now, like go make a playlist with your coworkers. That would be a lot of fun. Make a playlist for one of your coworkers. Um, we will take playlists at any time if anyone wants to make us a playlist. I didn't say that. Yeah, uh, playlists are great. It's just an easy way to make a thing for somebody and show them like, hey, I thought about you and that's a nice way to feel special. I like hip hop, electronica, and then like a lot of beats sort of stuff. Yeah. I like Billy Joel. Dance, dance, So dance. We dance. know that. I have terrible taste in music. <laughs> and that's like, no, a, you just, your taste I'm, is just like uh, just older than, than you actually are. I'm, st- I'm stuck in, I'm stuck in this like 1980s, like dad rock. That's okay. A lot of people like that stuff. You're, <laughs> I like how you're looking at me like, you're not alone. Okay. No, you're, you're not alone. Anytime Phil Collins comes on, I'm like, yeah, this is my jam. He's, a, he's an amazing drummer. He is. It's true. And the Tarzan um soundtrack was really really You'll good be in my- no i'm not gonna do that maybe we'll sing the outro to that 
Um, okay, good call. But I think just like as a, as a theme to this episode, what I would encourage everyone, not just leaders um, with named positions, um, but anyone in any position to think about where leadership comes from. And it comes from you. It comes from you actively doing things. And it comes from you actively thinking about what are my goals? How do I help people be happy? And how do I help people do the best job that they can? Um, I would argue that beyond ordering coffee, beyond making the schedule, that's your single most important job is to think about going into your cafe and the things that you want to feel from your staff. You want Do you want them to feel supported? Do you want them to give the best customer service they can? Do you want them to get paid more than any other baristas in the city? Like think about what those goals are and work backwards to make those goals happen. Wonderful advice. Uh, If you have any questions for us, we are at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. We are at Twitter at boss underscore barista. And we are on Instagram at Boss Barista Podcast. What I'd really, really love to hear from you folks is what are some ways that leaders have inspired you? What are some ways that you as a leader have taken ownership over a situation and maybe turned things around or kept morale really high? I really want to hear about morale, especially. Um, so please let us know some of those ways that you've done that in your cafes or in your businesses, because this isn't just about cafes. It's about coffee businesses. It's about roasteries. It's about any, any aspect of the coffee industry. We can't always be doing better and we can't always look to ourselves as leaders to really shape that. So. Cause you'll be in my heart. Now and forever. Yeah, you'll be in my heart. I don't know if I know this song that well. From this day on, now and forevermore. Forevermore. Forever always. I don't know. Yes. Because you'll be in my heart. Wait, how do we do how do we do the outro to this? Yes, this has been Boss Barista. <laughs> From this day on, I'm Ashley Rodriguez. Subscribe forevermore. <laughs> Please subscribe <laughs> <laughs> to the podcast. That's how we know how many people are listening. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> All right, yeah, for real. Bye, guys. <laughs>